This is a Socialist News and Views special report. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this special report. All eyes should be on Sri Lanka where massive protests have forced the president to flee the country. Here's a clip from Al Jazeera in which Manel Fernandez reports from the center of the protests in Colombo, Sri Lanka on July 9th. President Gotabe Rajapaksa and his government had been put on notice that if he didn't go, that the whole of Sri Lanka would take to the streets, that would come and basically sit in until they saw his exit. Uh, as you can see behind me, the crowd, I mean, essentially in the far distance, the presidential secretariat, but tens of thousands of people still streaming in to Colombo in any way they can. On our drive here, we saw dozens of people on foot with backpacks, living around Colombo, even people who had been walking from out of Colombo. We're also hearing that trains which had been uh, sort of halted, uh, people stormed railway stations and literally forced railway employees to put trains on the tracks and bring them into Colombo. And the one thing they say that they are taking uh, their country back. Today is the Independence Day for me, being born in this nation, not 1948. Because today, we have fought for our freedom from the tyranny, from the scoundrels, from the blackguards, from the rascals, the rogues, and the greedy politicians who have run our nation below ground zero. And this is exactly what the government tried so hard to prevent the thousands of people converging on the capital to urge the president and his government to go. They brought in a curfew. They had to remove it the next day. They essentially wanted the distribution of fuel. Whatever little stocks were available were frozen. Uh, essentially, transport, public transport was stopped, but people were not giving up. And if you look at the far background, the Sri Lankan flag flying high, uh, the Rajapaksa regime, the government of Gotabe Rajapaksa and his bra brother President Mahindra Rajapaksa were so sort of keen and strong to talk about nationalism. But the people here say this is the true spirit of Sri Lankans and they want their country back. And since that day, the protests have continued. And as of this recording, the president of Sri Lanka has fled the country. July 9th, an article posted on People's Dispatch entitled PM Resigns, President Flees, It's All Happening in Sri Lanka. The article says, quote, In the morning, tens of thousands of protesters marched to the residence of the president, Gatabaya Rajapaska, who reportedly fled shortly before by Saturday evening, Prime Minister Ranil Wickremesinghe resigned to make way for the formation of an all-party government. Reports also said the president had agreed to resign, end quote. Serge Jordan wrote for International Socialist Alternative on July 10th the following, quote, Overwhelmed by the sheer numbers and determination of the protesters, attempts by security, police and army forces to hold back, let alone dislodge the protesting crowd, were hopeless. Isolated scenes of state forces sympathizing with and even joining the protests were reported. A video of a police officer parking his motorbike, throwing away his helmet, 
and voicing slogans in support of the demonstration has gone viral on social media. The police had originally imposed a curfew in the capital and several other cities on Friday night in anticipation of the announced day of protests, but canceled it the next morning following objections by opposition politicians and by the Bar Association of Sri Lanka. Prohibition orders requested by the government against the protest had also been rejected by the High Court. These are sure indications that divisions were widening between different wings of the establishment as to how to respond to the boiling pressure from below and to what was expected to be a momentous day of struggle, end quote. D. Paul Jayasakira for World Socialist website on July 10th in an article called Sri Lankan Uprising Forces Resignation of President and Prime Minister placed the numbers of the massive popular protest that occurred Saturday at 1 million people. Unfortunately, most mainstream media has failed to give these protest movements the coverage they deserve in the previous period, and so many, even on the left, at least in the U.S., don't know much about the details behind this incredibly important protest movement. For more on the background of what led up to this movement, we go to a five-minute clip from July 12th, where Bhavani Fonseca, a human rights lawyer and a senior researcher at the Center for Policy Alternatives, who has been participating in the protests, speaks with Amy Goodman and Juan Gonzalez on Democracy Now! Here's the clip, which starts with Fonseca speaking and Gonzalez asking questions. Sri Lanka is facing quite the remarkable period. At one level, we have an unprecedented political and economic crisis. But at another, we've seen citizens peacefully protesting um, for months, uh, asking for change, a change in political culture, a change in the political leadership, and basically uh, uh, political accountability. So there is a real uh, reawakening of the citizen, and it's quite remarkable to see the numbers that have come out to the streets peacefully protesting over the months. But what was even more remarkable was the numbers that came out on Saturday, on the 9th of July, and this was in a context where many don't have fuel to travel. So many walked for hours to get to the protest site and they occupied the protest site. And unlike the other days of protests, um, they were able to enter the presidential secretariat, the presidential palace and the official residence of the prime minister. And they are now occupying these spaces till the president resigns and the prime minister resigns. But so it's quite dynamic and fluid days in Sri Lanka, but it's all centered in this backdrop of citizens' mobilization and the the power of the people to bring in change. And Bhavani Fonseca, if you could uh, talk a little bit about the, the roots of the crisis. There's a lot of international press coverage of what's happening now, but there has been little attention to, uh, to how the crisis evolved uh, and especially in terms of whatever financial debt uh, the country owes to uh, outsiders. Uh, there was an international monetary fund group that visited uh, uh, the country in, uh, at the end of June. Yes, so Sri Lanka is in heavy debt, and that goes back, uh, it predates this government, the government of Gotabe Rajapaksa. The debt is really going back uh, different uh, to different governments, and the debt has got to a point where now Sri Lanka is facing bankruptcy, and uh, they've, uh, they announced a default a couple of months ago. 
So it's really, there's massive debt, but also it's related to the mismanagement of this government. Now, in 2019 onwards, after Gotabe Rajpaksa took office, there's been several policy decisions that led to this present crisis. One was the tax cuts in 2019 that significantly impacted the revenue of the government. In 2021, there was an overnight ban on chemical fertilizer, which has impacted the agriculture sector and food security. And of course, we had uh, challenges with the COVID, the pandemic, but also more recently with the Ukraine-Russian uh, war. So those have also impacted, but largely it's been domestic policies and mismanagement of this government, which has led to an economic crisis. And now we are facing also a political crisis and political instability. So all this has resulted in, in a situation where many in Sri Lanka are facing severe hardships, getting essential items, long power cuts, uh, long queues to get fuel. I mean, we are at the moment having long queues that uh, where people have to stay for days, three, four days, just to get some petrol and diesel. So that is the hardship that faced by many people and it's impacted most in Sri Lanka. Um, and it has resulted in extreme anger and frustration among the people. So the public mobilization demanding for accountability, demanding for change stems from this economic crisis and the mismanagement. But now it's become a political crisis as well. So it's a com combined situation in Sri Lanka um, and now it's also there is a situation where we are seeing an unfolding humanitarian crisis. So multiple challenges on the ground. Now, both the president and the prime minister have said they will resign, but they have not yet done so. What, how, how do you see events unfolding over the next uh, few days? And who uh, is most likely to, uh, to run a caretaker government? Mm. So this is a very worrying dynamic. You know, you would think with all the, the people peacefully protesting and all the developments over the last few days, but over the last few months, really, that the message would be, uh, you know, it would be clear that they are asking for the resignation of the president and they're asking for the resignation of the prime minister. Now, I would have thought any government would have heard this message and resigned immediately. The Guardian also confirmed on July 12th that Sri Lankan President Gotabaya Rajapaska informed the PM's office of his intention to resign. The article entitled President of Crisis at Sri Lanka confirms he will quit amid protest by Hannah Ellis. Peterson says, quote, a statement from the office of the Prime Minister Ranil Wickremesinghe said Rajapaska has officially informed Prime Minister Ranil Wickremesinghe that he will be resigning in the most formal confirmation yet that the president intends to step down later this week, end quote. Some individuals have compared the storming of the president's official residence in Sri Lanka to the events of January 6th in the U.S. While there is a common current global theme of distrust of authorities and institutions that is at play in both scenarios, there are numerous important distinctions that clearly set the events in Sri Lanka apart. The events in Sri Lanka have been by and large nonviolent, with no calls to kill political rivals, and the response is based on the actual situation rather than lies put forward by an authoritarian ruler. There were also no neo-fascist paramilitary units involved in the events in Sri Lanka, and in fact, most importantly, 
The movement in Sri Lanka is a mass movement made up of people from many, many elements of Sri Lankan society. Here's Manel Fernandez again speaking with Al Jazeera on July 9th about the makeup of the protests. Among the protesters, lots of young people, a real mix of um, sort of protesters coming out. And it's quite amazing in terms of the way they found their way to Colombo, given that there was no public transport. Most problem, people had problems with fuel. I mean, they came in vehicle carriers, in lorries, on bicycle, on foot. There was one old lady, a grandmother with her two grandchildren, who had walked over 20 kilometers. The poor lady was almost at the point of exhaustion, and she sort of fainted by the side of the road and had to be revived. Uh, so there were lots of people. These aren't just kind of rebel young people trying to cause mayhem. This was people from all walks of life across the rainbow of Sri Lanka that had come to, you know, put uh, their sort of full stop on the Rajapaksa regime and the government that has basically brought Sri Lanka to its knees. This is a fast-moving situation, which is getting nowhere near the coverage it deserves from mainstream media, which is not surprising. So again, I encourage everyone to keep all eyes on these important social movements and keep up to date on the situation in Sri Lanka and learn the lessons along with the people there as they work to change their country. We will have a regular July episode out next week, so follow us on SoundCloud and check back next Thursday for that. That is our special Thanks again for listening. Solidarity. This has been a Socialist News and Views special report.